Join us at the Community Cats podcast on May 17th from 7 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time with Dr. Rachel Geller. She will be presenting her Surrender Prevention Workshop. As a surrender prevention specialist, your knowledge of cat behavior may be the difference between a cat losing her home and staying in her home. You will be able to get your certificate this season and take advantage of the interactive format, extensive handouts, and footage of actual techniques. Sign up today for a fee of $10 and become Surrender Prevention Certified. See you on May 17th. You've tuned in to the Community Cats Podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats Podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I've been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. And today we're speaking with Janet Vormateg. Janet was born with a passion for animals. She quit eating meat in 1983 after the death of her pet pig, Edward. Around the same time, she found a partially paralyzed cat that put her on the road to becoming a lover of all things cat. Janet has a degree in journalism from Grand Valley State University and, has, and was a freelance correspondent for the Grand Rapids Press for 10 years. Her favorite stories to write involved animals, such as a Doberman who adopted a litter of orphan kittens, a feature on physically challenged pets, and an article about a college student who rescued a dog that had been hit by a car. That student charged more than $1,000 in vet bills on her credit card. After that story ran, readers donated more than enough money to cover the vet bills, and Janet learned the power of the written word. In 2006, Janet started Cats and Dogs, a magazine devoted to companion animals. The free publication supported by advertisers promotes spay neuter, features cats and dogs available for adoption, and has stories on anything pet related. Cats and Dogs magazine was published monthly until 2018. At that time, it transitioned into a quarterly magazine. Janet has written three books about cats. You might be a crazy cat lady if dot, 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 volumes one and two are collections of short stories about cats in Janet's life, fosters, strays, and permanent residents. It's a humorous look at how easy it is to end up with too many cats. Her latest book, Cat Women of West Michigan, The Secret World of Cat Rescue, is a collection of stories about women Janet met while publishing Cats and Dogs magazine. Janet, I'd like to welcome you to the show. Thank you, Stacey. It's a privilege to be here today. So before we jump in and uh, talk about all these incredible stories of people you've met and written about over the years, first and foremost, you shared a bit in your bio, but you know, really, why are you passionate about cats? I think it started with that paralyzed kitten that I found. My husband and I were at a park. We went there to watch a sunset and we heard something and I thought it was a bird. He swore it was a cat and we looked around and he was right. It was a little black and white kitten. She was covered with fleas and she looked bloated and she couldn't use her back legs. So we did not see the sunset that night. Instead, we brought that little kitten home. And the next day I took her to the vet and he thought she was paralyzed, but he poked her tail with a pin and she screamed and she wasn't paralyzed. She just didn't have full use of those back legs. And uh, he taught me how to squeeze her bladder to, to get her to pee. And she became my baby. That was at a time when I should have been having 
children, but I didn't. And instead I had Lucy and she, she's what started it all. So I know several folks who over the years have adopted kitties that have had to have their bladders expressed. And it's a, a great skill for folks to learn, actually. Did you find it difficult to learn how to do that? Yes. At first, we would hold her over the kitchen sink, and I couldn't do it. And then my husband tried, he couldn't do it. And he ended up taking her back to the vet the next day to get a lesson on how to do it. And then we still couldn't do it. But finally, it took a lot of practice, but finally got the hang of it. She could pee on her own, but she didn't always make it into the litter box. So I had to put newspapers down around the litter box because she always made it to the right area. But she never gained full use of those back legs again. Did you go back or did you think that she was a kitten from a litter that was born out there or was left behind? Did you have any theories about her origin? No, it was in a resort town of Saugatuck and it was after the tourists and everybody had gone home for the year. I knocked on a couple doors and there was no one around. So I'm just assuming someone dropped her off or maybe she got chased by a dog. I have no idea how she ended up there. But other people there were aware she was there, but no one cared enough to do anything about it. So you were a correspondent first for the Grand Rapids Press. And then after that, it led you to start a magazine for cats and dogs. Did you feel that there was a need to tell a story or to tell stories about animals that wasn't being shared out there in our sort of big wide world? I don't know if I felt there was a need. I just felt there was a need for me to write them. That's what I enjoyed writing. I talked to a lot of different people about the idea and everybody liked the idea. And then I talked to one of my sisters and she said, if you don't do it, you'll always regret not doing it. You'll wonder what would have happened if you had. And that was the clincher. I thought, okay, I'm going to go for it. And everything fell into place. Once I made that decision, all the pieces fell into place. And it, it was just amazing how it happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You mentioned here that one of the key things that you were promoting, which is near and dear to my heart, is promoting spaying and neutering. Is that how you got to meet a lot of your the stories, the rescuer people, the organizations that were out there, or the individual folks that were out rescuing? You know, how did you learn about spaying and neutering, early age spay and neuter, trap neuter return? How did you learn about all of those sort of component of the cat rescue world. One of the stories I did at the Grand Rapids Press was about a new organization called CSNP. They offered low-cost spay-neuter. And I did several stories on them. So that's how I learned about spay and neuter. But let me give you some statistics. When I started the magazine in 2006, in Kenton, Ottawa counties, Kent being the home of Grand Rapids, and then Ottawa County is to the west of it. And it has Holland and Grand Haven. In those two counties, they euthanized 7,991 cats that year. That's 22 cats, almost 22 cats a day, including holidays and weekends. And 15 years later, in those two same two counties, they euthanized 189 cats. And that's to me, that's amazing. And part of that... It was because of all the women. And I say women, there's a couple of guys here and there, but it's primarily women that are out there doing the work of TNR, um, fostering, finding homes, fundraising, all those components of rescuing cats. 
what was that time frame in the years where you went from 7,000 down to, was 150? From 2006 to 2021. Oh, wow. Impressive. Very, very impressive. And, and that's really a great example of looking at a focused and targeted area. And we talk about that a lot with Trap New to Return with TNR and looking at targeting your efforts and focusing on a concentrated area. Um, because then you're able to capture these kinds of statistics and really see the change that uh, Trap New to Return, affordable spay neuter, having a supportive rescue organization really are, you know, are able to make a difference in, in that community. I'm making assumptions here that that's what happened in this area. But, you know, tell me, what do you think happened over that 15, was it 15 year period? 15 years. Well, like I said, CSNP opened up and they offered this low cost spay neuter. We also had several groups start up all around the same time. And I'm not sure why that happened. But one of them was Carol's Ferrells, and she brought Trap Neuter Return to West Michigan. And she not only did Trap Neuter Return with a group of volunteers, she taught other rescues how to do it. And, and that was huge. And, and unfortunately, due to some personal issues, she had she closed down last year, and we're going to really feel the impact of her being gone. But another woman, Gina Marvin, she was a mail carrier in the inner city of Grand Rapids. And when she delivered mail, she noticed cats and kittens everywhere, and she couldn't deal with it. So she went to the local shelter to find out what they could do. And they said, if you bring them in, we'll euthanize them. That's all the only option we have. And to her, that wasn't an option. So she went online and she learned about alley cat alleys and uh, start, bought a live trap and started trapping, realized by herself, she wasn't going to do much. So she started focus on ferals. And that was 17 years ago. And since then, she has grown to 150 volunteers, and they have trapped over 4000 cats. Wow. So it's I mean, that's just huge. That is and then there's another, another woman, Dr. Jen, she the veterinarian, someone brought her a little black kitten that had been hit by a car. And she nursed it back to health and realized there was a need for homes for homeless cats. And she bought a building and started Crash's Landing because this cat had crashed, landed with no place to go. And she's celebrating 20 years this year of being having Crash's Landing. Then she also start, started a sister facility called Big SIDS that was home for FIV cats and cats with feline leukemia. And those cats were available for adoption, but if they didn't get adopted, they stayed there. And yeah, she's going strong too. So it's just, you know, when you say it takes a village, that's so true in cat rescue. It's all these groups are working together and making a huge difference. For sure. Definitely. And I, it just warms my heart to hear of somebody who is advocating for the feline leukemia positive cats. We have an event in July, uh, online feline leukemia day, where we really just spend that day devoted to talking about issues that impact feline leukemia positive cats. So it's um, excellent that that she's addressing that issue too, as well as trap neuter return and the spay neuter. There are just so many factors that go into play in order to make a community, what I call a humane cat community, uh, where 
really whatever the needs are for the cat in that area, there's some program or some supportive network uh, to be able to assist folks that are trying to do the best thing that they can for the cats. So it sounds like there's a variety of different resources in that area, which is um, which is fantastic. Some people would call it a lot of luck to have a variety of different people working in that area too. So, you know, you're, you have this book, Cat Women of West Michigan. Um, are these some of the folks that you profile in this um, book of yours? Yes, definitely. Yeah, I broke the book down into three chapters. And the first chapter is Women Who Start Rescues. And I think there's 17 stories in there. And Carol from Carol's Ferals is one of them. And Gina from Focus on Ferals is another. And Dr. Jen with Crashes Landing. But there's several rescues around that just do cats. And plus, we have several rescues that do cats and dogs. But I had to limit it somehow. So it's, I focused just on women who do cats only. Do you want to make things easier on yourself and the others in your organization? Our friends at Dubert have teamed up with the Dallas Pets Alive and Spay-Neuter Network teams, and together they have created the Companion Case Management Module. It allows you to be more proactive with all your organization's needs, create cases for your clients, and organize them by type. Whether it is a rehoming situation, a pet parent needing food or medical assistance, or simply spay and neuter inquiries, CCM can help you manage all of them right from the Dubert system. Plus, a huge bonus, it allows you to connect with those clients right from the case so there is no need to open up new windows for emails or pull out your phone for text messages. Check it out and learn more at www.dubert.com to get started today. Ever wanted to quickly connect, collaborate, or problem solve with others in the animal welfare field who are, you know, real people? Look no further than Maddie's Pet Forum. Maddie's Pet Forum brings people of animal welfare together with the common goal to keep more people and pets together. We share ideas, expertise, offer each other support, resources, and more. Visit forum.maddiespetforum.org slash cats. Maddie's Pet Forum. Come for an answer. Stay for the community. And you said a lot of them started their rescues around the same time, and you, and you weren't really sure why that happened. Now, if it's been, you know, in some cases, 17, 18 years, uh, you mentioned Carol's had, had closed down. I'm facing here in New England, organizations are challenged with succession planning or finding new people to keep the organization going. Is that happening in, in Western Michigan, too? Well, Carol's closed down. At first, she looked for someone else to t- take over, but then her name was on it. So she didn't want someone running it, not the way she wanted it run. So she thought, I'm just going to shut it down and other people can step up. And, and and one of her volunteers did step up and started another organization that Feral Cat Solutions. And she's not a smaller scale, but still working with those street cats, getting them fixed. And that's what's so cool. There was, there was another group I should mention, Vicky's Pet Connection. They're one of the, I think they are the first rescue group in West Michigan. And it was two women and Vicky was the dog person and then Nancy was the cat person. And what they did was really put rescue on the map here. But Nancy, when they started, the shelters would not even give them animals. And so, except for one, Ionia County. So they had to travel ways to get cats and dogs to put up for adoption. 
But Nancy was smart enough to realize that she needed to work her way into the Kent County Animal Shelter. So she started volunteering there. And after she earned their trust, then they started releasing cats to her. But she would go for years. She did this every Monday, go there and know how many foster homes she had open. Say she had 30 open. She could take 30 cats and she would go through there, pick out the most adoptable cats and bring them into her foster program knowing that the cats she did not take would not be there next week. And not because they were being adopted, is that they were being euthanized. And it's just, I, I just, I'm so impressed with what she has done over the years. But they also closed down and she felt good closing last year, saying that there's enough young people coming up. And there are, and that's the cool thing that some of these older groups are closing, but we have a whole new crop of young women starting rescues taken over. And unfortunately, the need is really huge. In Michigan, when COVID hit, we the state shut down for, I think, 10 weeks. And all the vets could only do essential services and spay neuter was not considered essential. So for 10 weeks, there was no spay neuter being done. And one director, uh, one of the shelters, she said, I think that put us behind with cats years yeah, there's a uh, presentation that we had at the United Spay Alliance uh, conference back in 2022, where some research was was done and we're basically behind by 3 million appointments at this point in time that, you know, appointments that would have happened if we hadn't scaled back or closed, you know, that are long gone. And so there's a huge level of capacity issues and there's shortages with veterinarians now too. Um, veteran right. practices, you know, have, I actually think Michigan is one of the states where they have the highest number of available positions with the lowest number of potential candidates. The ratio is the, is the highest for that. And so it's very challenging right now for anybody who's operating a spay neuter clinic. Oh, it is. I just interviewed a woman yesterday at Muskegon Humane Society. They're starting a spay-neuter clinic and everything's ready to go, but they're looking for a vet. They have a couple that work part-time, but they would like more. Right, right. And the United Spay Alliance website does have a jobs board so that if organizations are looking to advertise their positions, we do have a special section on the website at the UnitedSpayAlliance.org. They have that listing there and Community Cats podcast does uh, try and help promote that because, you know, if there's a veterinarian out there listening to the Community Cats podcast, which I hope every veterinarian out there is, then, you know, they would know to be able to go to that site to look for available postings there. So um, it's just, it's tremendous. The need is, is really, that's going to be the hard thing that gets us out of this challenging situation right now with regards to the cat overpopulation situation and you know, access to care. And so, you know, in addition, so this book um, that you wrote, The Cat Women of West Michigan, you said it profiles, it's in three sections. I think you talked about the first section. The other two parts cover? Yeah, the second section is I call them, they're in, women who are free spirits, they're independent workers. They, they volunteer for all the different rescues and they're out there working on their own just trapping cats, fostering cats, helping with fundraising, whatever needs to be done. And they're, they're working the front lines, getting their hands dirty, 
And it's amazing what they do. There's one woman, actually, Doctor, her name's Sandy, and Dr. Jen nicknamed her Southside Sandy because she works on the south side of Grand Rapids. She was an in-home nurse going to people's homes. And again, just like Gina, she saw cats and start offering to get them fixed. And then she would start trapping some of them. And she always felt that if she trapped them and got them fixed and released them and they didn't have anyone to feed them, that she felt an obligation. So she started setting up feeding stations and if they needed shelters, providing shelters. And another woman works with her and they take turns every other day. Right now they have 17 feeding stations so they go around and feed these cats. And a couple of winters ago, I rode with her and it's just amazing. They, these cats recognize the sound of her car and they come out running. And some, And if they're friendly, she gets them into adoption programs. The one, the one cat that I remember, his name was Lionel. She names all the cats. And these were at a dead end street and a junkyard, basically, near train tracks. And so she named all the cats somehow related to trains. So Lionel, he was more interested in attention than he was food. You know, someone dropped him off or left him behind when they moved. And she eventually got him into crashes landing and he got adopted. And, and that's, it's just, I'm just amazed. And a lot of, she spends money and it's all out of her own pocket. A few people will donate to her, but mostly it's out of her own pocket, buying the food, getting the cats into adoption programs, paying for medical bills. Yeah, that's a big topic. I get emails almost weekly or more, more than once a week from a variety of different people who are out there helping cats on their own and they, they're looking for help financially. There are just so many people doing this all on their own. And with the rising costs of pet food, as well as the vet care, it's getting to be really tough. I mean, it was tough before, but I think it's getting even more challenging with the economy. And so I'm trying to brainstorm different ways that folks can raise money, but they're so busy doing the, the work, the actual feeding of the cats and the trapping and the transporting and the finding placement that who has time to run a fundraiser, right? So right. it's just a really big challenge for individuals that are out there just trying to do the best they can for the cats and um, needing financial support to be able to do the good work that they're doing. Right. And the, the third section of the book, what is that the focus of? It's about women who don't necessarily get their hands dirty with cats, but they're doing things to support cats. For example, there's a woman, Katie, who knew she wanted to start a business, but she didn't know what kind of business. And then she heard about the cat cafes over in Asia. And she started a Facebook group just to see if there was interest in a cat cafe in Grand Rapids. And there was. So she started to go fund me. And a few years ago, she finally opened the her cat, happy cat cafe. And she partners with different rescues and they bring in the cats and they're available for adoption. So you can go there get a cup of coffee or tea or whatever and sit with and hang out with the cats. And since she started this, she's adopted, I bet close to 600 cats. It's just amazing. Yeah. People, and it's great for people who can't have a cat, they can come in there and get their cat fix, but people go there and sit there and, and, and you know, cats, I, I find this in the magazine, someone sees a cat that's available for adoption and they think I'm going to go adopt fluffy and they go to the rescue and fluffy wants nothing to do with them. But another, <laughs> Cat comes over and says, you're the people for me. 
Right. The cafe, that works great. You can sit there and have coffee and let, let a cat choose you, and then you can adopt it. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Janet, this has been great. I'm, you know, this book just sounds phenomenal. It sounds great to read through and hear the different stories. I'm jealous of West Michigan. It sounds like there's an incredible supportive community, you know, for, for cat rescuers and folks out there just trying to do the best for cats. And it's great that you're covering all of these different stories, bringing these women, as well as you said, some gentlemen and, and other folks out there helping cats, bringing their story forward. If folks are interested in finding out more about this book, and I know you've written some other books about cats, how would they do that? They're all on Amazon. So you go to Amazon or I have a, a web site. It's just my name, JanetVormateg.com. And all the books are there and you can buy them directly from me or like I said, Amazon. Excellent. And we'll make sure that that link is in our show notes. Janet, okay. do you have anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners today? There's just so many stories I'd love to share. There's <laughs> another one, you know, the women, there's a group called Hands for Paws and they're women, they met at a local humane society but they realize they all like doing crafts, you know, from jewelry making to knitting to crocheting, quilting. And so that's what they do. They, they meet a few times a year, but they basically work on their own and they make things and they either sell them and donate the money to rescue or they donate the items to the rescues that in turn can sell them. And I'm, I'm impressed with them. I think there's, I can't remember, eight, nine, ten women in that group. And yeah, it's, so the bottom line is, Anyone can do anything. I mean, no matter what your talents are, you can put them to use helping cats. And you don't necessarily have to get your hands dirty or foster, but just whatever you like to do. Excellent. Janet, I want to thank you so much for being a guest on the show and joining me today. And I hope we'll have you on again in the future. Great. It's been a privilege. I've really enjoyed talking to you and sharing the stories of all these amazing women. That's it for this week. Please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. We love to hear what you think, and a five-star review really helps others find the show. You can also join the conversation with listeners, cat caretakers, and me on Facebook and Instagram. And don't forget to hit follow or subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a single show. Thanks for listening, and thank you for everything that you do to help create a safe and healthy world for cats. Wow.